Yeah, I mean, I think we all we all had great confidence. I mean, our defense played well. I thought in the second half we, we start, started to get it going. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I think that anytime you're in these situations, close games and everything else, it's um, we always believe we're going to win. We're always going to believe we're going to find a way. We've done it a lot before, and um, we, we, we've been able to accomplish that. But unfortunately, it didn't go our way today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking podcast. I'm Nick Kosmider, your Broncos host and beat writer uh, at The Athletic, and I'm coming to you from Houston, where the winning streak came to an end Sunday. The Broncos lost to the Texans 22-17, to snapping their five-game winning streak, dropping them to 6-6, six and six, and in the process, putting their playoff hopes on pretty much life support at, at this point. Maybe, maybe slightly above whatever stage that would be. I'm not a medical professional, but... Um, yeah, the Broncos needed this one, given all the implications. It was an AFC game. It was against a team tied uh, with them record-wise. Uh, uh, this Denver went into today, went into Week 13, tied with the Colts and the Texans. Uh, they're at 6-5 and five for that last playoff spot, uh, seventh in the AFC. Now the Broncos remain in that ninth spot, but the, five, the four teams above them in spots 5 through 8, the Browns, the Steelers, uh, the Texans and the Colts all are at least a game better than Denver right now. Did Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland lost. ended up losing. Yeah. Cleveland lost. So all four of those teams are exactly one game better than the Broncos, who are also tied with the Bills at six and six, though they do have the tiebreaker over the Bills. Either way, uh, certainly a shot to Denver's playoff hopes. And Matt, we, we've talked a lot during the course of this streak about what were to happen if if and when really, because it was an eventuality that you weren't going to win the turnover margin, certainly not by as much as they have every single week. And sure enough, this week, the Broncos, uh, they don't force a turnover, had a couple chances at them, but did not ultimately come up with a takeaway in this game. And Russell Wilson threw uh, three interceptions, three costly interceptions, all in the second half of this game. And again, in a game that Denver loses by five. And despite all of that, they were, they had the ball down five at their own 20, four minutes, 36 seconds to go, all three timeouts. Um, and you kind of think to yourself, well, here comes Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, going to put it together despite all that has gone wrong and and orchestrate a game-winning drive. And Denver very much looks like they're going to do that, hitting Cortland Sutton for 32 yards on the very first play of that drive to push them to midfield. They get a pass interference penalty that gives them 11 more yards. They convert two fourth down plays on the drive, and all of a sudden, here you are, first and goal at the eight, 23 seconds left. Um, but, Matt, they they don't get it done. Two incomplete passes followed by a, a jump ball pass for, uh, let me check my notes, practice squad, LV, uh, Lucas Crawl, the tight end, who had exactly one target going into this game this season. Uh, no catches. Uh, and it's uh, Jimmy Ward, the former 49er who jumps in front and picks it off. And, and Matt, I, I think just the overall thing I come away with is, is just a giant opportunity wasted for this team today. Yeah, absolutely. But, and we've talked throughout this streak and even more, even before the streak began that this is a team that's playing with a very razor thin margin of error, both game to game. They're playing with a thin margin of error because their offense is because their offense is who they are. They aren't a kind of team that's going to put up 70 points. They don't have a lot of room to make mistakes in these games. And also with digging themselves a hole at one and five to start the season, they're 
their playoff hopes were on a razor edge. So there are very, there's very little room for error in these games. And the team found a lot of ways to make those errors. Um, certainly Russell Wilson had his share of mistakes down the end, but there were numerous plays throughout this game that just kind of left you scratching the head. None, none bigger to me than Alex Singleton in, in the first half um, with a very, very costly penalty as the defense was kind of starting to make um, or made was looking to be a, a big red zone stand. Um, and that, that to me really impacted kind of the, the mindset of this game. Cause you start off the, the offense, you know, Sean Payne talked about how the fact that this team has been such a good first drive team for the last five weeks, a lot of success in, in those opening scripted plays going down the field, scoring touchdowns. And that didn't happen this time. The team took a couple early shots down the field were unsuccessful. Couldn't, couldn't sustain a drive. And Houston drove down the field a couple of times. So instead of jumping out to an early lead like they did against the Browns, instead this is a team that's playing catch up. And just as the the Texans are in the red zone for the second time in two drives, they for, the Broncos force a fourth and one, and the are fourth and two, and the Texans elect to go for it. And Alex Singleton, like the he he's lining up for a blitz, coming in for a blitz, but the the. Play gets blown dead for a false start on the Texans, and a full two seconds after the whistle blows, Singleton is in the backfield and shoving um, C.J. Stroud. Which even that initial shove didn't draw a flag, but then at the kind of the pushing and shoving afterwards, they were kind of like, "All right, enough's enough." Singleton and draws a, a you know a personal foul that negates the the first down, continues the drive. Ends up being a, a touchdown, or you know, a touchdown instead of at least at best a field goal for Houston, possibly you know nothing at all. So that ends up being a four point swing that was extremely significant in a game that came down to needing a touchdown at the end and not being able yeah, to yeah. And and I think you and I texted during that, um, you know, kind of about it just being a really kind of a brutal penalty for him. When I go back and look at it, you know, I, I think C.J. Stroud took exception to the fact that. That, that Singleton contacted him at all, right? Like he came in there and it's not like Alex Singleton didn't come in there and shove him as his sort of initial action. He came in, kind of wrapped him up and, and CJ Stroud took offense and said, you shouldn't have touched me. You heard the whistle blow. CJ Stroud came at him and sort of initiated the thing by kind of headbutting Alex Singleton. And then both, like he gave him a, a real tiny shove and then, and then he come, comes back and gives him a slightly bigger shove still doesn't extend his arms all the way kind of shoves him the problem is it was by that time the referees had sort of uh, converged around the scene and you shove uh, an NFL quarterback let's call it like it is right in front of a referee and and I think that that in a league that obviously is trying to protect the quarterback that they've legislated it that way they, they've they've said it that way they've shown in their actions they've done it that way um, and even Alex Singleton himself said like you know, you know how they're going to treat the quarterback. That's what this league is. I think he took exception. The Broncos did afterward that Shaq Mason, the, the the guard for the Texans, his response to to Singleton kind of given that light shove to Stroud was a much more forceful push of Singleton after the play. And there was no flag called for that. If that happens, if, he, if that flag gets called, then it's an offsetting penalty. And I think in that instance that the false start would carry and, and they would have been pushed back. At the very worst, they're redoing that fourth down that they were going to do fourth and short. So maybe they maybe they get in the end zone, maybe they don't. Um, but yeah, certainly they're able to score off of that on Damian Pierce's 
three yard run, uh, same plan, which sadly, uh, stud rookie tank Dells, uh, suffers a broken leg. That'll keep him out for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, it was 10 to zero at that point. Um, Texans got it to, to 13 zero because yeah. And I agree with you, Matt, going back to your, what you're saying, the Broncos, we've been able to count on this early efficiency, this well-scripted, um, plays today. I think part of it was they had identified some of the shots that they wanted to take against what is a pretty porous uh, Houston secondary in terms of giving up big plays. They got playmakers back there. Like we saw Derek Stingley had two interceptions today. Uh, the second of which was a really impressive play. Um, but he, but, but th- that whole secondary has been prone this season to giving up explosive pass plays and the Broncos on their first two plays of this game came out and attacked Houston deep. The second of which was a play that that Cortland Sutton should have caught for 40 or 50 yards. Um, so again, yeah, that early change of complexion, Sean Payton called it sloppy. They just they just did not seem to have it. It, w- it was probably their, their slowest start of the season. They punted on their first four drives of the game. They gained a total of 48 net yards on those four drives. And even though they got a field goal late, when you have that much inefficiency, we saw this at the early of the season. Like eventually, yes, they, they will put some stuff together. But when you have that many drives that many empty drives in a game like you'll see the end drive that 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 we'll discuss a little bit further um and and that's the one you'll point to but but they just as much lost this game with that start of four punts in a row as they did in the second half because in the second half and and you could see why they took those shots right they hit on a number of them in the second half. Cortland Sutton's 45-yard touchdown, a 41-yard play to Jerry Judy down to the one uh, Broncos score on Sutton's sneak the next play, a 32-yard play up the seam to Cortland Sutton. They had another where Marvin Mims was wide open, should have been a walk-in touchdown. Russell Wilson overthrew him, which was kind of underthrew him, rather, which was sort of a theme for him today, um, but probably should have also been a pass interference call um, I believe it was on Stingley there as well. Got got to Mims, uh, looked like a little bit early, but either way, that should have been a walk-in touchdown. But you could see why this was their their game plan is what I'm getting at. Like th- those opportunities were there, they just didn't come up with enough of them, particularly in the first half. If you're going to play that way, you have got to make sure that you hit them because we know this team's issues on third down all season. They were particularly pronounced today they go oh of 11 matt and only four of those were seven yards or further um you just i mean that again we're looking you're looking at ways that reasons you lost this game um right there the third down inefficiency was was really i mean they've had this problem but to to a whole new level tonight yeah and russell wilson kind of talked about it after the game like those third down situations especially the third and manageable the you know you're fourth and you're third and six third and four third and three where they found themselves a lot throughout the day. Those are plays where guys have to step up and make plays. So if, you know, if it is, whether it's Russell running the ball, whether it's the receivers getting open in the middle in those mid route, mid range routes, whether it's the running backs, breaking tackles and extending plays on some of those catches, things that we've seen this team do well on third down when they've been had success, we just weren't really seeing today. Um, Javante Williams had a couple of nice runs, um, but like some P Ryan had almost no impact on this game. Jared Mc, or yeah, so Jared McLaughlin had almost no impact on this game. J- sorry, Jaleel McLaughlin. I can't talk today. Um, you know, Jerry Judy, apart from the big catch, Corlin Sutton, the two big catches. Apart from that, they had very little impact in the game. There just weren't enough people making plays, in particular on third down today, for this team to sustain drives. Yeah, and, and yeah, and 
the protection was not anywhere near as good. I mean, they come off of a game in which they uh, largely Garrett Bowles um, holds down Miles Garrett. We we know he had you know a shoulder thing that he was dealing with, but still, the, they were the first team all year to keep him from get, registering a single quarterback hit in a game. Uh, and not just him, they did, they did a really good job of protection against that that pretty fierce Cleveland front seven. Today was a different story. I mean, Russell Wilson got sacked three times, uh, two of them by Will Anderson, who also had a deflection in the third quarter that led uh, to, to a Derek Stingley interception. Uh, he also, I think, got his hand on the first punt for the Broncos that went only 22 yards, helped flip field position for Houston. That guy was a, a wrecking ball, the rookie out of Alabama, the third overall pick, looked every bit as good as advertised coming out of the draft. Um, but but it wasn't even just the, the sacks and those plays. Consistently, Russell Wilson um, you know, was under pressure. I didn't think managed it to the degree that he has at other times of season where he was quick to make the check down play, um, you know, sort of sort of take take the easy profits and move on. I, I thought they just got into a mode today where overall they were just continuing to hunt the big shot, hunt the big shot um, instead of kind of slowing the game down a little bit and, and going back to the formula that had won them five games in a row or, or at least played a large part of that. I just think, Matt, they just got a little bit outside of themselves today. Some of that was invited by the Houston, the Houston defense. Um, but, but I think they just leaned a little bit too heavily into trying to win that way. We've seen it. They don't protect well when they play that kind of game where they're consistently dropping back. They start to turn the ball over more frequently. All those things that you can't do, especially on the road and win games, they, I think, got away from, or they, they got into trouble with those because they got away from what they were doing so well during the five-game win streak. And I want to kind of, that that takes me to this this final final drive. Again, not the sole reason they lost this game. Let's be clear about that. But it's what you point to because you say that's what they had at the end. The one thing that sort of befuddled me a little bit was the time that they took on this drive. They had, like I said, four minutes and 36 seconds at their own 20, all three timeouts. Um, the, the, the first half of this drive is moving, you know, kind of at the pace you would expect. They get the big play early. Um, the two-minute rolls, are, two-minute drill rolls around, uh, two-minute warning rather. It hits. The Broncos at that point are facing a fourth and one at the Houston 22 yard line and, and they come out of the two minute warning and Sean Payton calls a timeout. It's his first timeout. He did, you know, the look that he got from the defense wanted to be able to make sure they were set. So he uses that timeout. They get a first down run from Javante Williams on second effort, barely gets it, but gets it a yard. So now you're first and 10 at the 21. The Broncos don't run another play until there's one minute, 19 seconds left on the clock. Um, that, that play is, uh, a six yard pass, a, a six yard pass to, to, uh, Javante Williams, a four yard pass, sorry, a four yard pass to Javante Williams. The Broncos don't run a play after that until, um, you know, 39 seconds is left on the clock. And so you, you, they were just kind of slowly playing this. And part of this was they did not want to give, they did not want to give the Texans who have shown a, a real proficiency behind CJ Stroud. Um, you know, kind of for these late game heroics of their own. They didn't want to give them a lot of time. I think that was that was part of the calculus for sure. Um, but again, after after they picked up the first down on the sneak, first and 10, you get the four yard pass to Wilson. You run the second and six play at 39 seconds. It's a four yard play that goes out of bounds. So you have a third and two with the clock stopped, 35 seconds. Russell Wilson gets flushed from the pocket, has to throw it away. So now you're at 30 seconds. It's once again fourth down, fourth and two at the Houston 13. 
Sean Payton calls another timeout to once again set the right play, make sure you're in what you want to be in. Um, and so that's timeout number two. Russell Wilson does pick up the first down. He scrambles for five yards on fourth and two, gets down to the Houston eight. But now the Broncos have to use their final timeout. There's 23 seconds to go. They're first and goal at the eight. And, and you know, I think you've, you've managed it okay at that point, right? You're going to give yourself these shots at the end zone. But, Matt, I, you would have loved to have had one of those timeouts still because the, the way that I saw it watching this game was they have now eliminated a run. They've eliminated a catch and run in the field of play. They've ended the game. In fact, if they do have to take a sack, which, which Russell Wilson alluded to, part of the reason why he ends up throwing it up on third down because he kind of thought the pressure was still right there even after he had evaded the sack. Um, and so I just, I just thought they put themselves into a little bit of a box um, by not having an outlet, by not having a, another timeout left. Now, I get it. Both of those timeouts were called before fourth down plays. You have to make sure you get the right play. But none of the, neither of those plays was particularly pretty. You, you, you kind of just gritted yourself on, on both of them when the play didn't really work. And I just, you know, there, I just, just trust it. Um, I, I, th I thought that just boxed them in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is still a team who the majority of their productive plays are either runs or screen plays to their running backs. That is where both in the air, apart from the big chunk plays that we've talked about at nauseam, the uh, most of their offense in general comes from through their running backs. And by giving yourself first goal on the eight with 18 or 23 seconds left, you've boxed yourself in and you basically just took out Javante Williams. You've taken out, you know, some uh, JP Ryan, you've taken out Julio McLaughlin. Those aren't, options for you in that situation anymore unless they're going to be running you know routes into the into the end zone and the first the first down it looked like there was some confusion with the route tree with alex or with troutman yeah it wasn't a pretty play the second play was dead on arrival like you know russ threw it out of the back of the end zone none of those looks were good and i mean it it's because it, like sean payton kind of talked about it after the game it's like those aren't going to be pretty plays those aren't going to be plays where you know where, uh, where you have a guy just running wide open in the end zone. There's just going to be too many defenders back there. Someone's going to have to find us, find, find us a little square of the end zone that they can get down in. But it was not – It while it wasn't pretty, it also just looked like there – none of those plays really seemed to have a chance. Yeah. Um, and you would – I completely agree. I think that if you have Russell Wilson on that third down play, able to instead dump the ball off to a running back in the flat, they at least have a chance to make somebody miss and to make a play and get in, get in closer. If, yeah. you know, you're down three fewer points because you had a field goal in the first half instead of, you know, giving up a, a touchdown after the penalty, then suddenly you kick in a field goal to tie the game instead of uh, instead of having to, to score a touchdown. A huge different, a huge swing there as well. But yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. The the interception is what, you know, will will draw us to. But I mean, there. Yeah, I agree. Some of the the decision making on the clock management there, I would say left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, and, and I just, like, the red zone inefficiency is coming back to, to hurt this team. They, they've been a, a bottom third team in red zone efficiency for, for most of the season, which is something of a surprise given that, you know, uh, Sean Payton was so proficient in that area as a play, you know, as a play caller. And, um, you know, I, I, again, you don't point that to any one, one person, but, yeah, Russell Wilson having had the success that he had um, as well in Seattle – um, they just weren't very, they, they just have not been very good. They've been able to get away with it because they've, they've generated so many 
of those red zone opportunities via the turnovers and the short field. So it's it's been a quantity over quality thing for Denver during the winning streak. But today they only get the three red zone red zone chances and they, they get three red zone chances, only convert one of them um, in, into an actual touchdown. And that was after uh, Russell Wilson hits Jerry for 41 yards. It's a first and goal at the one. They just run down there and sneak the ball in, um, you know, that. You, you give them credit. They scored a touchdown. I'm just saying like that was that was not really the, the big test. The other two where they were really had to had to score was end of the because you mentioned the play where uh, Houston turned seven points where they were going to maybe either get zero or three. Um, and uh, but but also the Broncos had a had a drive um, into the red zone after the two minute warning. They, they had a second and four at the 14. They lose two yards on a Javante Williams run and then on a third and six at Houston 16. Um, one of the many failed third down, Russell uh, throws it incomplete right out of the back of the end zone. So they have to settle for a field goal there. Um, uh, so it's 13 to three at halftime instead of potentially uh, being 13 to seven. Um, it, it was just those sorts of blown up opportunities. And, you know, not being good in the red zone, I, I think they have they have multiple problems there. Their, their protection, we've given this offensive line deservedly a lot of credit over the course of this winning streak, and they, they've played well. But pass protection-wise in these true pass situations, it's been a struggle. Um, that was a case, again, today. Mike McGlinchey really had a hard time with, with Will Anderson. So protection's been a part of the problem. They really just not having an option at tight end, I think, is really hurting them. It's part of the reason I think Kroll – was in the game. He's a little bit more of an athletic tight end, um, even though he had only played 20 snaps all season going into this. He, he's a guy that they've, you know, they've elevated. They've, um, you know, tried to really work with him and practice on some of this stuff because they don't have that athletic option. Like ever since Greg Dulcich went down, the, the, the tight end production has been essentially nothing. It's been the lowest in the league, and and you see that where those guys are supposed to be the ones that can create some mismatches, um, you know, by virtue of their size and speed. Um, they, they've missed that a lot. So those are some of the things going into into the red zone issue. As much as this is a decent running team, they don't run the ball a lot down there, um, for, you know, for various reasons. And again, another thing that kind of you're, you're living on that edge. And if, if you're not going to improve your red zone efficiency, you're not going to get better on third down. Um, and then you start turning the ball over like, you know, they, uh, they were lucky to have four shots at the eight yard line uh, turned into three shots, but theoretically had four shots. Um, you know, just, just too many mistakes. Here's my question, Nick, where's Cortland Sutton and where's jo uh, Jerry Judy in the red zone. You have these two receivers that are your big play, big, you know, especially Cortland Sutton, like throw the ball, throw a little fade route. Like I haven't, I don't remember seeing a single like goal line fade to, to either of these receivers, like all season long. Like I get that it's maybe to, you know, a 50, 50 ball, but I think Cortland Sutton deserves a couple of 50-50 balls in the red zone. Well, I thought like, this, this second down play, that, that's sort of what they were that they were going for. Russ got rushed up into the pocket, and he had, he had Sutton in the back of the end zone covered, of course, because like you said, you, these are all going to be covered, but um, just sailed it way too high, didn't give him a chance. Um, so that that is where they were trying to go on the second down play. Right. I, and I mean, I know they, they were targeting Sutton, but I'm just even talking like, you know, the, the fade into those the corner of the end zone where at best you have one defender covering the guy, like the little timing routes, like because they weren't even playing super tight coverage on the end there. Like they were playing the end zone. So, I mean, you had the release. You, I You know, it's not a 100 percent pass, but like 
give Cortland a chance. Like the number of times that guy's come down with catches in the end zone the last few weeks, that he had no right making. It seems like that's the, if I'm, if I'm throwing a pass, it's going to in that situation. I know who I, who I'd want to be throwing it to. Yeah. They just, yeah. The, the, the goal to go stuff that they, they've just not for, for, you know, again, whether it's Russell's inability to kind of fit it where it needs to go. Um, they've, you know, they lack speed down there, which, which I think, helps and again i think i think the protection is a big thing jerry judy is a guy that can he can he can make somebody look silly as a route runner down there but but you have he's he's a guy that needs the time in order to sort of unfurl his his routes and the broncos just aren't aren't getting that i think i think russell in games where he starts to get hit a little bit um his processor starts to speed up a little bit and um yeah it it, it was one of those situations where he gets that rush down to the five and you're like man he did it again he, he fourth down he, he gets him down there but then in retrospect you look you you back up and you're like oh man eight yard line can't really play the middle of the field can't play or can't play in the field like how is this really going to go and yeah they, they just didn't have those answers today and um so th- this is where i put some we'll, we'll, let's let's close out matt by by sort of just re, again real quickly resetting where denver is in, in the playoff scenario that they're right now ranking ninth um right so so they're currently a game back on Pittsburgh, who lost today against the Cardinals, which I would say gives you a very good sense of uh, <laughs> sense of ease as the Broncos. That feels like if a team's losing to the Arizona Cardinals at this point of the season, there's a decent chance they drop a couple games by the end of the season. Yeah, um, could be one Cleveland Browns starting Joe Flacco today also dropped a game, which again is that's a team where you specifically have the tiebreaker against. Yep. Um, now the. Indianapolis Colts won today in overtime. Houston yeah, obviously won today. Um, so of the teams in front of them, the only one that you're likely to have a tiebreaker against is going to be Cleveland uh, with the head-to-head tiebreaker. The other three teams directly above them, um, are, since you don't have a direct matchup against them, it's going to come down to conference record. And where the, the Broncos are right now after this loss today in the conference are three and five. So they would have to make up multiple games in the conference be able to match up with the, with either of these teams as they come down the road. So realistically, if you are winning four of the next five and you're sitting at 10 and seven, um, you're going to be in a really tough spot. You do have the tiebreaker over the bills. Um, so they would have to, you know, you, you have a little bit of wiggle room there, but against the, the three, you, you know, you need two of the teams above you to fall below you. Yeah. Um, so that would mean at least if you if you don't win out, you would need one of those teams to win or to two of those teams basically to lose three games. The Browns could lose two. Yeah. Um, so your best shot for sure is to win out. It becomes a lot tighter. We kind of talked last week about how much this specific game with the Texans was so important because of that head to head tiebreaker. Um, which they now don't have. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things the Broncos were talking about, you know, in the locker room, they, they're not they're not oblivious to to what the math says now, but as it stands, and and, and it's going to be easy to get up for for next week because they're they're certainly not they're certainly not out of it. Like you you mentioned, the, the Browns, I think, given their quarterback situation, given the the, the struggles they're going to have, um, you know, I don't by any means think they're going to lose every game they play the rest of the year, but that's a team that you could see falling into your point um, with the tiebreaker. All Denver has to do is tie them. If it was in the seventh spot, um, the Steelers, man, they, they look shaky too, just because of how, you know, they, their offense has such a floor. I mean, um, you know, the, the, they are <laughs> among these teams. 
they're the only team right there with Denver in terms of the negative net points. And if you take away Denver's game against the Dolphins, um, you know, they're in plus territory. If you take away the Miami game, Broncos have a plus 11 point differential this year. Um, and, and the Steelers don't have a, a 50 point loss on their resume. They're seven and five with a negative 37 point margin. Um, so that tells you that's a team that could lose every week. Um, yeah, I, I know that's the case for just about all these teams at the back end of this thing. Um, but Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett's going to be questionable going into next week as well. He left the game with an ankle injury today and did not return in the second half. Right. And the fact um, that Mitchell Trubisky has not played ahead of Kenny Pickett already this season shows you just about the amount of faith that they have in him. So again, some of these teams are shaky, but, but really, really looking at, at the rest of the conference at this point, um, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's fun to, to talk about, but the Broncos have such a task in front of themselves in terms of winning this game, they'll go to um, they'll go play a Chargers team um, next week. That's not very good. They're five and seven. They barely uh, barely beat the uh, the uh, Patriots today. Um, but but nonetheless, that's a division opponent. You're on the road. They I don't think they've beaten them in SoFi since since the Chargers started playing there. Um, you know that that's a team that that you know you're you're capable of beating. You, you've done it um, at home over the last couple of years. Um, but, but you got to go on the road and, and win that game. If you don't win that game, it, it's pretty much curtains because from there you have to win out. You have to win each of your final four, which includes a road game at Detroit, uh, includes a road game at the Raiders. Um, you, you have to win out. So it's, it's a game against the chargers that is a pivotal, but they're all going to kind of have that connotation the rest of the way, um, you know, Until just given where the Broncos are. They'll have that feeling right up until the point they don't anymore. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a month from now, we're still playing on games that matter. I'll get to enjoy next week's Chargers game in the eighth row uh, yeah. in the stands on that one. So I'm looking forward to, to making the trip into, out for that. The, uh, to the stadium. That'll be, that'll be fun. We'll um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pod from the beach or something like that. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> the, the most responsible way to do it. Yeah, no doubt. But uh <laughs> Anyway, so that'll, that'll do it for us tonight uh, here from Houston. Again, Texans 22, Broncos 17. We'll be back midweek to preview that game against the Chargers. And then once again, live from uh, the SoFi Stadium region next Sunday. Until then, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Please share. Please subscribe. Let us know what you think. We'll talk to you again soon.